in this season, Lord, while we celebrate your resurrection, we thank you for the power of God working in the life of everyone who hears today. Thank you for preparing us for one of the greatest weekends we've ever experienced. Thank you, Lord, for restoring everything lost. Thank you, Lord, for moving us into the very purpose for which you called us. We love you today. We thank you for who you are. Open our ears that we might hear. May our hearts be so that we obey you. We give praise to you and thanks to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said amen. amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Thank you, Father. That's kind of an interesting interview, yeah? From one life to the next. We see that in the life of Peter. It, it's really, it's truly a success story. It's the kind of story God wants to make happen in your life. It's the kind of story when you follow the life of Peter that makes you question, Lord, can you do that for me? Can you change me? I'd like to tell you today that your success is based on your relationship with Jesus. I was just thinking about this. Is there anything I need to see up here? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, we're, we're working out our tech, and uh, it's, it's wonderful. And uh, by the way, if you didn't know it, this is Metro City Church, and thanks to Brandon Brown, we're changing our face. Is that all right, saints? <laughs> Look at your name, so success is really starting over. It's kind of an amazing thing. You know who Henry Ford was? Let me tell you about Henry. Henry, Henry Ford was fired from his first job. He had to leave. In fact, he had to leave his first two jobs. He, would, he had to leave before finally becoming successful with the Ford Motor Company. He really went through failure. You know who Beethoven is? He handled the violin awkwardly in the beginning. And really, he preferred playing his own compositions rather than improving his technique. His professor didn't have much, his professor didn't have much faith in him. He didn't, even the professor didn't really know who Beethoven was. His teacher really said he was a hopeless composer. I was there this weekend. Anybody know who Walt Disney is? Walt Disney did not, he couldn't speak fluently at all. He, he was uh, dismissed from his first job as an art apprentice. Although it is said that he had numerous financial setbacks. I was there this weekend with my with my my grandchildren, and uh, they, they, they clocked it. They, 6.5 miles we walked. 
that day at Disney. Anybody ever been to Disney World? Uh, I'm raising your hand if you've been. I'm going to see hands. It's, it's an amazing experience. And I remember growing up under Disney's influence. I would, couldn't wait to get home from school because the first thing you saw, and this is too many years for a lot of you to remember, but the first thing you did when you came home, you turned on the... Raise your hand if you see that. I want to know. If you're, oh, I can't believe you guys. Okay. The Mickey Mouse Club. I memorized the song, saints. I mean, I heard it so much. So when we got off the tram going to Disney World, I'm, you know, my kids are jumping up and down, and they're playing this music. And immediately all the words came back. This is how successful Disney was in creating an image that you don't forget. The, the, the music started. Who's the leader of the club was made for you and me? Uh, M-I-C-K-E-Y. They said, hey there, hi there, ho there. You as welcome as can be. <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y. M-O-U-S-E. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Forever let us hold our banner. Come along and sing the song and join the jamboree. <clears throat> Here's how you end it. M-O-U-S-E. Clap your hands if you're a Mickey Mouse fan. I want to tell you, Walt was not a spring chicken when he, when he founded Disney. He was in the second half of his life. In fact, many gave up on what he wanted to do. And here he is now having passed more than several decades, and what he founded in his dream is still alive. Anybody know who Albert Einstein is? Did you know that he couldn't speak fluently for the first seven years of his life? He was unsociable. He was adrift forever in his foolish dreams, they called him. He was initially refused, and he, re, he was refused entry into Polytech. When he submitted his thesis of relativity, they said it would not work. <laughs> But there at Polytech Institute in Zurich, when he had submitted that paper, though they rejected it, today everybody knows him as the father of relativity, right? Ford went on to produce the largest, one of the largest automobile companies in the world. Beethoven, his compositions are widely used around the world. Einstein is now called the father of the theory of rel relativity and is considered to be the most influential physicist of the, 21st, of the 20th century. Walt Disney, of course, you know that story. But none of them started very well. In fact, there's a thread that runs common to all four of their lives. They all started with failure, and they had to have major turnarounds in order to produce what they did. When you consider your own life, some people don't believe they could ever do anything great because they have not understood the character I want to take a few moments to talk about this morning. 
In fact, he was interviewed this morning. When you look at Peter's life, it's an amazing journey. I think God chose Peter because he's so much like so many of us. Uh, he, he was a hard worker. It wasn't that he didn't have a, he, he had a good work ethic. His language wasn't that, that, amen, clean, amen. His, uh, his mannerisms, I was noticing last week when we interviewed Peter, I was watching your faces as he said, as he had a, a few choice words to say. I think some of us, if we were to raise our hand, would say we've used a, a few choice words ourselves. I want to take just a second this morning. I want to go through, I want to show you something about Peter's life that relates to ours. I want to show you that when God wants to change you and you agree with it, it's amazing what God can do with a life that's changed. In John chapter 13, verses 36 to 38, it says this. Simon Peter said to him, that is to the Lord, he says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, well, now, where I'm, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you'll follow me later. Notice the Lord's words, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus answered, will you lay your life down for me? Then Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will crow. A rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Can you imagine Peter following Jesus? He sort of was a, the unspoken first place of the twelve since it was his boat that Jesus got into and changed his life. And he, he, he was like many of us who don't have a problem talking about what we can do. But when pressure comes, it's a whole different situation. Peter makes those declarations to the Lord. Lord, I'll follow you. I'll lay my life down for you. But look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 30 through 35. The Bible says, after singing a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all, this is the Lord speaking to his 12. He says, all of you are going to fall away. All of you, because of me, you will fall away. I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though, Lord, all, all of them may fall away, I will never, I will never fall away. Listen at Peter speak. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I, even I, if I have to die, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. Their confession was one thing. Their actions were another. 
It's kind of amazing. It's not that he never knew Jesus. It wasn't that he never had a miracle. One of the ones he mentioned, he said, I walked on water. Can you imagine? The Lord said to Peter while he was in that boat looking out at, at Jesus, he said, Lord, Lord, let me come to you. And the Lord said, he, he didn't say, oh, be quiet and sit down. He said, hey, Peter, come. Come, come on. Can you imagine what it was like for Peter? Now, this is before the crucifixion. Can you imagine him taking his foot? The boat is doing that rock with the waves. Jesus is standing steady on the waves. And he says, Peter, come on. Jesus, Peter takes his leg out of the boat. He puts it over the boat. And the, the others are saying, man, don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't man, don't, don't. He's, Peter, can you see him jerking his arm away? He gets and he puts his foot down it. Ooh, it's solid. He gets the other leg out, and he's standing on water. I'm sorry that you all don't feel that with me, but that would have been strange to no end. Anybody see the movie The Shack? Remember that little portion in The Shack when, when, uh, when um, the Lord had him run on the water? Remember that? And then at the last, Peter just starts to take off, and he, he, he sinks down, and the Lord said, it's better if we do this together. I'm sorry, you, you, if you've never seen that, you should see that. He says, it's better if we do this together. Look at your name and say, it's better if you do this together with the Lord Jesus. And, and, and he walks, he, he, he defies, he actually defies gravity. I was thinking about it this weekend. It is living in the supernatural that God has for every single one of us. Peter saw the Lord do powerful miracles as he multiplied fish, fed 5,000 at least with only how many fish? Two fish and five loaves. So Peter is like, he, he, it's not that he didn't have any success with Jesus. It's not that he didn't know him when Jesus was Following when Jesus was leading them, he said, "He said, uh, Peter, James, John, you three come with me." And and they came with him. And and on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw the glory of God come down on the mountain. Peter was amazed. He was right there in the middle of it. He already made his commitment. This is the man. This is the one I'm going to follow. But he has a challenge. The challenge is. All that he saw, all that he did, he still, he still was never put under pressure. His life was never put in threat, in a threatening situation. He told Jesus that, Jesus, you know what, I, I love you, I will follow you, I will be with you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it, I'll die with you. Jesus said, I, he said, Peter, i tell you what, he says, Peter, before the before the cock closed three times, you're going to deny me. Are you all there? Check this out. Check with, go with me to, um, real quick, Mark 14. Mark, Mark 14, 66 through 67. As Peter, was, um, as, as Peter was below in the courtroom, as Peter was below in the courtroom, one of the seven girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, 
she looked at him and she said, uh, you also, you were with Jesus, weren't you? One, you, you, were, you were with the Nazarene. But Peter, he denied it and he said, I need to know, I need to know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went out into the, into the porch. The servant girl saw him and began, not, and began notice more to, to uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, and began once more to say to the bystanders, this is one of them. You're one of them, aren't you one of them? But he, he denied it again. And after a little while, the bystanders were, were again saying to Peter, they, 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 they recognized him. They called him out. Listen what Peter said. Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear. I don't know this man who you're talking about. And immediately, but let's don't put him down too bad because I'm going to ask you a question. How many situations have you been in and had an opportunity to represent him, but you didn't? How many perfect setups did God orchestrate? You didn't realize it was God till after the fact. That God, how many perfect setups that God put you in and you had an opportunity to represent his name and in doing so, maybe, maybe might have been ostracized. I think God put this in here just for us. If you're young, and strong and black and fly. I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, and you say you love the Lord. How many situations have come about when you had an opportunity to declare him, to reveal him, to share about him? Or, excuse me, this is kind of interesting. In Peter's situation, it wasn't that he, he was asked to lead anybody to Christ. He was just to acknowledge, yeah, I was with him. Yeah, I'm one of them. How many believers today? You know, it's, it's said in America that believers in America, in North America, less, quote this to your friend, less than 2% have ever led anybody to Christ. It is so easy today to put on that covering of I'm like everybody else, makes no waves. And here Peter is in a, in a crucial moment when the Lord is not popular anymore. It's like our culture where Jesus is not popular anymore it's not it's not kosher to go around talking about Jesus it's, it's not even considered polite in fact it's considered impolite to mention his name and someone says talks about their God or who they worship or what what they get down with 
It's not popular to say, but Jesus is the one that I love and adore. It's not, it's not a popular thing for people to, to make him the center of their life, let alone the center of their conversation. One of the challenges I have with Peter, I, I feel with him because, you know, he's not considered a bashful man. He's not considered backwards. Peter's not the guy that, you know, you can push around. That's not the picture of his character in the scripture. And he makes many boastful things but he has no idea what God has set him up for. Peter doesn't know what is tomorrow, what God's picture of tomorrow, what his life is to be. He doesn't yet have a, a vision of the success that God is going to give him. He just doesn't relate to that at all. All he knows is it's dangerous now to talk about Jesus. When the Lord was healing, when many and the thousands were flocking to him and many wonderful things that he did for people and he was popular, so popular until the high priest who couldn't stand him because he was taking their clout away. So they plotted to destroy him. Wasn't popular with them but with the crowds in fact, it is said that they didn't do anything to him for fear of the crowds. People were being helped. Lives were being transformed. It was popular to be where he was. He walked down the street with his entourage and he would start gaining numbers. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you gain numbers if a blind man hopped out and said, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I heard you were here and, and, and made his way to, to the master and the Lord asked him, what do you want? He said, I, I want to see. And, and oh, Jesus spits in the ground, makes a, a spit ball, <laughs> smears it on his eyes and he said, go wash your eyes. And the guy goes and he washes his eyes. And he can see. And no one said, what? Can you, can you hear the what? What? You've been on this pallet how long? You were born unable to walk on this pallet, begging here in the street, and now you're walking? See, if you had that kind of clout, how many of you know you would have a following? The good genius said you'd have a following. You'd have, you'd have a half a million followers on your Facebook. Amen. People would be just like, yo, yeah, I know. They wanna, they just wanna say, I know him, I know him. He lived next door to me. I know him, I know him. I was, I was drinking coffee at Starbucks with him the other day. I came in and he was in there. You would wanna be, you would wanna be associated with him. Oh my God, when people's lives are being changed and eyes are being opened and limbs are returning and, and wounds are being healed and diseases are dropping off and demons are coming out of people and freeing lunatics who have been lunatics all their life and now they're sane, they're whole. Somebody who did that, you want to hang with them. 
I mean, I know, I know today star worship is a big deal. I know because you go to Disney World, you know, and, and all you got to do is put a Mickey Mouse shoot and everybody wants to follow you, you know. Or what's the other, what's the one that on the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, the girl that, you know, that was on Frozen? Elsa. Elsa. You put on the Elsa gown, they want to know you. The, it, the hero worship is so incredible today. They, man, people follow the, that, that the, what's, the, what's the snow, what's the snow guy's name? Uh, Olaf. Olaf, Olaf, you know, the, the snowman with the carrot nose, y'all remember? Everybody, er, er, heroes are big, heroes are big deals. They make heroes out of everybody. When heroes are prevalent, when heroes change people's lives, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. But unfortunately, and fortunately, as, as, as the Lord continued to do the ministry he was sent to do, not only to heal the sick, not only to raise the dead, but really to, to seek and to save that which was lost, that everything turned when the plot to take his life. Of course, you can understand. Can you understand? We were in this last week. That the threatenings about Jesus, we, we have to... Can you hear the talk in the back room of the priest who, will, who in their mind losing revenue and clout because of this person, Jesus, who is not religious, who doesn't follow the way, but everybody's following him. They're all flocking to him to the point where they are so angry and so jealous, they decide we will take his life. We will, and here is how we're going to do it. By the way, I have an assignment for you this week that I'd like you to complete. And if you do, there's a reward for you at the end of that assignment. They want to take his life. Peter's in the midst of all of that. He's in the top three. He's in the top three of Jesus' closest friends. He's seen it all. In fact, there are very few places that Jesus went where Peter did not go with him. And even though he saw it all, when everything changed, when, 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 when life began to be threatening, and they said to the Lord, are you Jesus? And the Lord said, I am he. And those words came out of his mouth so powerfully, it blew him back like this. They got themselves together and they decided we got we to take him because the prison, because the, the, because the temple guards were commanded to get him, take him, confiscate him. And Judas, who, do, who betrayed him, was there. And Peter was right there. By the time they take Jesus into custody, Peter is following from behind the whole time, checking it out, trying his best to make sense of this because to Peter he believed that Jesus was the one who would bring the glory of God back to the nation freedom of their oppressors turn the whole culture right side up Peter saw the power of it he experienced the power of it and then Jesus along the way toward the last part of, part of being with them he says to them he says, Peter, I, 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 where I go, you can't go with me. In fact, earlier, he's, a little earlier, he says, you know, 
The Son of Man has to give his life. I've, go I've got to go to Jerusalem and I have to give my life. I have to give my life. And the Son of Man will be taken in the hands of cruel men. They will crucify him. And in three days, he will raise from the dead. He told his disciples that. Peter said something like this. No, Lord, no, Lord, you will not, you, this will not happen to you. you. You are the Lord. This will never happen to you. And Jesus said, said strange words to Peter. He didn't realize what he was speaking out of. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. Now, this guy had been walking with Jesus the whole time. But the pressure gets on. And now, mm, Peter was acting like a young person who doesn't want their parents to walk them to, to, to class. You know, there comes a time in young people's lives when they love their parents, but they don't really like, you know, they, they like, they're not like, they don't want to, you know, you understand the word like? You know, they, they, like they, don't, they don't want, you know, they, you, they don't want you to put their hand or, or your hand around them and walk them up to their friends. And, you know, they don't want you kissing on them, tell them good, goodbye, have a good day. They don't want that. Any parents can relate to what I'm talking about. There comes a time when, as a young person, you know, you, know you, you, you love your parents, but you don't really want to be, because you know your mama, she could be one of the loud mamas, or your dad could be one of the obnoxious dads, and you don't want to be embarrassed by your friends. It's not that you don't love them, it's just, it's not that you don't care about them, it's just that you, don't, you know, you don't really want to be associated in that crowd with them. You don't want your mama come breaking down, breaking up in the, in the school, knocking on the door. Junior, 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 you forgot your lunch. Come on, oh baby, you forgot your. Oh Lord, Jesus. That's why some young, some of your young people, parents, they act as the best they can because they don't want you interfering in, in their social life with their other. That's why some, some. That's why some younger people don't invite people to their house. They, they love their parents. They just don't want to be associated with them. Because you know what she's going to do when she see you and see that ashy face, she's going to take a thumb. <laughs> Did you wash your face? You know, just embarrass you, right? She doesn't call you by your name, her, her given name to you. She calls you by the name she gave you, uh, the, the nickname, Pookie Old oh, Pookie. You, you know, you ain't like you want to be relating to the, to the, bro, to the, bro, to the brothers or the sisters as Pookie because they don't know you like that. You understand what I'm trying to say? It, it was as if Peter, he, it wasn't that he didn't love Jesus. He just didn't, he, he, inside of him, there's nothing inside of him that relates to what Jesus is relating to in the anger and the refusal and the rejection of men. So you know the story. He shows up. He's hung with him for so long, you know. People identify you by who you hang with. Tell your neighbor what I said. People identify you by who you hang with. This is true for husbands and wives. You, if you hang with your wife, if you have a good relationship with your wife, they always associate you with your husband or your husband with you. If you are single, if you're single, they, they, generally people, uh, they identify you with the group you hang with. Tap your name and say, I hope, 
I said, I want you to be in my, in my close group because I, you're a good identification. Tell me, I, I want to I hang with you. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, where I'm going, you cannot go. When Jesus goes through hell, Peter, then he said, Peter, but you will go. Where I'm going right now, you can't go. In other words, there's nothing in you that, can, can, that will sustain you in the journey I'm about to make. But there will be. Peter doesn't get it, so he's trying to tell Jesus how loyal he is. And how he would never fall away. He would never, he would never deny him. And yet when the pressure comes and the, and the little girl, not the high priest, not the guards, not, not, not other contemporaries of, of, of his age, but when the, when the little girl, when, the, when the, 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 the daughter of the priest guard, of the priest, when the servant girl said, you, you one of them, ain't you? Oh, yeah, you wouldn't have. I seen you. I don't never forget the face. I don't never forget the face. I know you was hanging with. I know you was right there. You was always there. Every time I saw him, I saw you. So Peter is, is under pressure now. Because he, he, I said what I said, but I'm not, in my heart, I'm not sure that I'm ready to go all the way there. I believe that is the, the picture of too many of God's people. They know him. They've experienced him. Even seen miracles in their own life. In fact, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you know, he looked at Simon and said, you're no longer Simon. I'll tell you what, you're no longer a reed. You're no, you're now, you're no longer a little pebble. Now you're a rock. He names his character before Peter displays that character. You come down to the bottom line and he's saying things like, I don't know you, and he used a couple of choice words to convince them. Isn't it interesting that he would use those words to, to disassociate with Jesus? Because if you do associate with Christ, that's not the kind of language you use. Look at your neighbor and say, did you hear what he said? <laughs> My dad would just teach us Christian cussing. Yeah, Christian cussing. He, he, he'd say things, when he get upset, he'd say things like, Confound it. I have no idea what that means. Confound it. Oh, he say, say things like, Dad Nam it. Raise your hand if you've heard these words before coming out of the mouth of your parents. I'm just raise it, keep it up. I just want to see if I'm out to lunch here. Oh my god, that's three quarters of the people. Oh, he said things like doggone it. Have you ever even parsed that word? What doggone it? So Peter throws out a few superlatives and, and to, to convince him. Have you ever seen folk who, who, who made a decision to walk with Jesus, got into a tight, into a tough situation, and they go back to the way they were living? Have you ever seen someone drunk who knows the Lord? I started saying, look in the mirror, but I won't say that because that may not be okay. Have you ever seen somebody drunk? Not, have, you ever, have, you, have you noticed when they get drunk and, and they go back to the club? Have you noticed what the first thing they want to do? Preach. Y'all need to come to Christ. 
Oh, y'all going to hell. Am I right? It's in them. But it's covered now because the pressure. Peter is miserable. The Bible says after he said that to her, he wept. How many of you have intended to do something with the Lord, for the Lord, through the Lord, but you didn't, and when the opportunity passed, when the situation was gone, inside of you, you wept. Have you ever felt that thing of disappointment, a disappointment with yourself? Because as I said a few weeks ago, we, we, most people think that God is disappointed with them. He is not disappointed with you. His love is constant for you. In the same way that his love was constant for Peter. And he said to Peter, he said, uh, let me show you what he said. That'll go quicker. Check this out. Mm. <laughs> Look at Luke 22, 31-32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. It's kind of interesting when Satan has to go get permission to mess with one of God's chosen. Is it possible that Satan saw something in Peter that he never wanted to come out? I'm asking you the question, what is it in you that Satan does not want to come out? What is it in you that he sees valuable enough to, to bring situations and pressure to keep your mouth shut? To keep your life like it was? Even though you've experienced a new birth in Christ. What is it that pressures you to go back to a life that you, even you don't even like? So the Bible says, he says, uh, Simon, Simon, if the Lord says your name twice, you know something's up. Behold, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And you, I love this phrase, once you have turned again. Turn to your neighbor and say, turn again once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Uh, the, the word turned again. One, one translator in the King James says, once you are converted, it's the results of repentance. When, you are, when you've changed your mind, your view is totally different. You saw something you never saw before. You understand something you didn't understand before. And because you see it and because you understand it, it makes you different. What Jesus says about Peter, I know you're going to struggle. You don't know you're going to struggle. But I know you're going to struggle and I know you're going to fail. But I've already prayed for you and you're going to turn. Ticket to your name and say, you're going to turn. I know you are. Won't take this home. So Jesus, he prophesies Peter's future before it happens. So that when the incident happened, Peter can remember what he said. 
He never would have believed that he would be in a position where he would say, I don't know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Confound it. You understand? <sighs> the Bible says Jesus, he's confiscated now, he sees Peter. And there are two turnings here. The Bible says he turned, Jesus turned. It wasn't that he was, it wasn't that, it wasn't that he didn't love Peter. It wasn't that he was disappointed and there was no hope for Peter. No, Jesus knew what he was feeling right then. He prophesied it. But Jesus also never forgets what he said about him. I got to turn from you now, Peter. I've got to finish the course so that you will turn. And when he turns, and from then on, it's chaos with Jesus. And with Peter, it's a living hell. He didn't want, his whole life was consumed with Christ. And now he doesn't want to hear his name. Because every time he hears his name, or even sees one of the brothers, he thinks about, he thinks about his, his disloyalty, his lack of cowardice, his lack of courage, his lack of conviction. He's not a happy camper. Those three days were not a happy day for Peter. Because he spoke louder than anybody else. And yet he finds himself similar to Judas, who couldn't take it, so took his life. Peter is just distraught. He loves his brothers. He loves the group that Peter, that Jesus had assembled. He loves them. They love him, but they're all struggling. Everybody's struggling. I'm, I'm bringing you to this because we celebrated the resurrection last week. Are you all there, Saint? And yet we forget that after the resurrection, there was chaos. After the resurrection, even after the resurrection, there were those who said, I don't believe that. Can you imagine the people that walked with him, served with him, went through all the, the life track with him, and now he's dead? It's one thing for somebody to say, well, in three days I'm going to rise from the dead. He probably said, said it very matter-of-factly, but he may not have said, he may not have screamed it. I don't think he did. He just spoke it as it was. And they just go, yeah, right, okay. You know, this guy speaks in parables. You know, you can't always understand what he's saying. You know what he's saying. So, you know, you just kind of just put that behind you. And I believe it's that way so that you and I can experience something that God did in turning a life around and setting a heart on fire. So Peter, in his dismay, he doesn't quite know. He sees, can you imagine Peter's first encounter with the mother of Jesus? It, it doesn't give us the record. I, I can imagine him weeping, you know, I, I, I denied him. Can you imagine his, his meeting up with John, James, Bartholomew? And they're looking at him like, man. And, and he said, because they all ran away, so it's not like anybody's accusing anybody. By the way, look at your name and say, don't be accusing because you got stuff in your life too. <laughs> you know, no, it's, not like, it's, not like, it's not like everybody's trying to. No, but what you have is a situation that 
exactly we need today. We need an, an, an appearance of Jesus. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need a relationship renewal with Jesus. We need the Lord to do something for us that we can't do by ourselves. Because we weren't at all before he came. When he came, we all were because of him. And now he's gone and we don't know what to do with each other. I believe that's exactly what God's people need. You need God to show up in your life. You need the Lord to speak to you. You need the Lord to say, here I am. I didn't lie. I'm not disappointed with you. In fact, your mission is just beginning. Peter, in this state, doesn't know what to do. But when the Lord appears in the room, I got an assignment for you. If you find out this week, you're going to have a reward. When the Lord appears in the room, they're all sitting around talking about, you know, you know what the subject is, right? What's the subject when they're talking about Jesus is dead? You know, somebody said he was alive. They, they haven't seen him, right? And they're all gathered together. And they're gathered together because they're scared. What do you think the subject matter was? Man, remember when the Lord said? Remember when the Lord said? And they're all in there. And all of a sudden, there he is. And can you, can you imagine the look on their face? Can you imagine the look on Peter's face? He, the Lord just shows up and he's like, whew, whew. He, he don't know what he wants. He loves the Lord, but he, but he denied him. You understand what I'm trying to say? He shows, he said, what do you think, I'm a ghost? <laughs> Read the scripture. It's, it's hilarious. He says, what do you think, I'm a ghost? He said, bring me some food. Anybody got some food? See, yeah, 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 we got some food. And they bring him food, and he eats the food. The ghost can't eat food. He said, look. He pulls his shirt back. He said, show him where he stuck, stuck him in his side. Open his hands up. Show him where he stepped. He said, where's Thomas? Thomas wasn't there. Next time he shows up, Thomas comes, and Thomas is there. He goes, He said, come here, Thomas. Can you imagine? Come here, Thomas. Thomas comes to the, he, he don't know what to think, you know, because Thomas is the guy that said, I don't believe he's a ray. I don't believe it. Not until I take my hands and place them in his wounds will I even begin to believe that. Okay, come here, Thomas. Thomas, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And can you imagine? He pulls, he pulls, he drains his robe, sticks his hand in the wound. Put your thumb in there. It fits. Look at your name and say, you need an encounter with Jesus. Find somebody else, would you? I'm almost done. You need an encounter with Jesus to fulfill, to fulfill your task. Amen. Peter is beside himself. Oh, man. He, he, but he hadn't dealt with his own feelings yet. He beside himself. So they don't know what to do because he just disappears again. What do we do next? I don't know. Let's go fishing. They go, remember that? They go fishing? And, and, and they're fishing, fishing. And on the side of the shore, a voice says, Have you caught anything yet? They, no, I'm not doing that good out there. The voice sounds again. Put your net on the other side of the boat. 
looking at what? We've been fishing out here all our lives. The, the, that ain't, you know, if it's fish around here, it'd be in the net right now. Put your net on the other side of the boat. Look at your neighbor and said, you need to put your net on the other side of the boat. Okay, what that means is I'll interpret it for you. You need to obey what the Lord says to you. Amen. Even though it don't make sense. And God is still giving commands that don't make sense right now. I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a command today that may not make much sense, but if you follow, you'll see. They take their net, they put it on the other side of the boat, bam, all of a sudden there's fish. They go, fish, come on, oh my God. Oh my. And then Peter figures out, oh Lord. Because that's the way Jesus dealt with Peter the first time, remember? Peter's so, he don't know what to do with himself. The Bible says he slings himself in the ocean. That's a new definition of jump in the lake. When you declare that you know the Lord and you love the Lord and your life is not going the way it's supposed to go, there is a new command that you need. You don't do good without him active in your life. Tap your neighbor and say, Sunday only is not enough for you. There are those who program themselves to believe that if I can just show up on Sunday, that's enough to sustain and maintain my Christian life. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, that will not do. It's not enough. Peter, he is so distraught. He swims to shore. Jesus standing there waiting for him. Excuse me. Do you not think that the Lord knew he was going to deny him? Do you think that Peter, do you not understand what Peter was feeling about himself? That God must be disappointed with me. God must have taken back his blessing from me. That is a lie. Tap your neighbor and say, that's a lie. He loved you before you said yes. Loved you while you were saying yes. And then after you say yes, still loves you when you said no. Because he loves you. Tap your neighbor and say, he just loves you. He just loves you. He loves you. I remember growing up in elementary school, he used to tell me stuff like this. Does Jesus love you when you're good? Two or three years old. Yes. And then the teacher would ask, does Jesus love you when you're bad? No. We learn that God is like us in our sinful flesh. We accept our, uh, we, those we love when they do good and we reject those when they do not. Tap your neighbors, that's not the God you serve. <laughs> Find somebody that's like, time to go home. It's time to go home. The Lord, the Lord had already declared to Peter, when you turn, I want you this morning to turn. When you turn, this is amazing to me. Peter, I know who you are. I know where you're coming from and I know what's in you. And that you're going to deny me. But when you turn, 
In other words, if you can look at it this way, Jesus knows the depth of the decision you made the first time. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows what you were going through when you made the decision the first time. Tell him. He knows. And when, and when life comes and presses you, and now it becomes a pressure to affirm him, and you say no, God knows about it. Not only does he know about it, he's made provision for it. He said, Peter, when you turn, when you are converted, when you turn, check out the command. I want you to get this because if you miss this, you might be living your life the rest of your days loved by God but hated by you. Do you need to get this? When you turn, strengthen your brothers. Ain't that about a trip? God declares that Peter's conversion would be complete when he started strengthening his brothers. Giving them what I gave you. I'll tell you how to make your conviction sound unmovable, unshakable. Strengthen those that are your brothers. Wow. Okay. Cool. So, here's what I want you to do. When the Lord says, uh, uh, Peter, Peter, he swims to shore, and then Peter says, the Lord looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter. Um, hey, Peter, help me. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Just back me up a little bit, okay? This is, this is drama. <laughs> Peter, this is Jesus looking at him with those eyes that see the truth. Do you love me? Peter said, Lord, I, I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You, I love you, Lord. Lord, feed, Peter, feed my lambs. Third time. Jesus is not asking for information. Are you here? He already sees his heart. He's trying to help Peter see his own heart. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. So, so you want to you you come up here and join me, sweetheart? So, so the Lord, so Peter is, is uh, he's, He's just, he's disarmed. He has nothing inside of him to boast about. Are you there, saints? There's nothing he can brag about. There's nothing he can put his chin up and, and, and attribute to his own nature, his own character, his own lifestyle as would merit the grace and the love of God. His salvation is no longer based on being a part of the few that joined him. It's no longer based on hero worship. His identity is crushed. And he has nothing left but the words of Jesus. And, and, and he's there with the, with the 12 and, well, with the 11 now. And he says, Peter, feed, feed, feed my lambs. Peter, you know, he's like, okay, Lord. He said, by the way, I got to go. 
this time you don't hear Peter talking about, uh, I'm going with you. you know? <laughs> he said, I've got to go away. He says, but, uh, but I, I'm going to send a comforter to you. I'm not going to leave you alone. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to, and I want the 12 and some of the others will, will go and wait for me. Wait, wait on me. And I will come to you. And so Peter, and they're all crushed because it's not like they can jump up and down like, you know, we made it through the test. We made it through the test. You know we are the best. You know, I mean, it wasn't, like, it wasn't none of that. They were, they, they, they were humbled, a bit overwhelmed, and they go to the, the upper room. And the Bible says, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes and sets upon each of them as tongues of fire. And they begin to speak. A new level of boldness came. A new level of confidence came. It wasn't of themselves. It didn't come out of how great I art. Their boldness came from the presence of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says Peter stands up among them. Actually, it's, it, it is the way it's literally written. Peter took his place and began to boldly speak, testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. The multitudes had heard it. They couldn't believe it. This, the message was so compelling. It's not like he studied in the seminary for this. It's not like he exegeted. It's not like he, did, he didn't go through all. He stood out of his heart. He spoke the truth. Man, people said, what is this? Now the crowd who's fickled becomes stable with the word of the Lord coming out of not Jesus' mouth, but Jesus now using Peter's mouth. Changes his nature altogether. Okay, I'm, I'm, this is not having quite the effect that I thought it was going to have, but I'm going to guess that inside, maybe you're thinking what I'm thinking. If you've been, if you have been those persons that, man, I, this did not turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. Maybe you couldn't speak up. Maybe you couldn't take your place in your stance that Jesus has always, always, always reserved for you. And you wouldn't take your place because you judged yourself unworthy. You looked at your own sins, your own shortcomings, and you, you surmised that the Lord was so disappointed with you that he couldn't use you or he wouldn't use you. Speak to your neighbor that that was a lie. Okay, so I'm inviting you this weekend. I'm inviting you this weekend. And I, I, I'm, I've already prayed and, and am praying. I've invited you this weekend to an encounter with Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to see you at the encounter with Jesus Christ this weekend. He is going to speak to you. 
Not only that, he's going to show you what you never knew. The Lord will reveal things to you that you will say, oh my God. He will, he will show you how he's reserved your place where you're to take your stand. And here's what I want you to do. Number one, write it down. Here's what I want you to do this week. This week, I want you to tune in to Metro City Facebook and Instagram. And every day, I have prepared a devotion for you. And I want you to tune in and check out that short but powerful devotion. I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to prepare yourself for the presence of God in an unusual way. And then I, and then I want you to follow the assignment. If you go to that page, you'll find assignment. And every, there's an assignment every day for the next five days. And on that assignment day, I want you to, I, I, need, to, I need you to work with me now on this, okay? This is a little bit, I'm stepping out here a little bit, all right? Uh, I want you to work with me. I want you to bring up Netflix. I want you to look up the series A.D. A.D. And the, on the caption says, The Empire and the Kingdom. Oh my God. The Empire and the Kingdom. I'd like you to check out that. Every night, we, this is, some of you are going to, I know, some of you are going to uh, addict out and watch the whole 12 series. I know, I know. I mean, it, but I don't know what to say about that. It's just like, you know, I, I, I did it. I'll confess up front. I went to watch one of them, and, the, and, and the, by the evening time, I started in the daytime, I was on episode 12, which was the last episode. Because it was so good. And, and we have an episode for every day for the next five days. I want you to prepare yourself for the Lord to do inside of you what he did inside of Peter. There's a devotion. There's a, there's a question you need to answer with every devotion. And there's a, an episode for you to watch. And I'll be talking to you during the week. And I want you to be ready. I want you to clear your weekend next weekend. Tap your, knee, your neighbor's head. I would love to see you that weekend from Friday through Sunday morning. I want you to clear your weekend. And I want you to prepare for an incredible time in the presence of God, a life-changing time. And on the other side of that Sunday, oh my God, I just want to promise you, the Lord will not disappoint you because he's not disappointed in you. I'm, I'm curious, how many of you will follow me this week in this? Raise your hand if you'll do that. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't miss that hand. Let's see that hand again. You'll do that. Awesome. Awesome. Now I want you to bow your heads. Father, we thank you that it is the power to start again that the Holy Spirit gives us. I thank you for touching 
every life. And for those, Lord, who are on spring break this weekend, I'm asking you that the communication would flow to them. I thank you, Father, for making complete what you started. Thank you, Lord, for you are faithful. You've already determined and you've already prophesied our success. And I praise you and I thank you for it, for every person that will follow it. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen.